here, the first uh, combined meeting where we have people from across the Christian community of Charters Towers worshipping and fellowshipping together. I made mention of it this morning. I think the Lord just loves all his kids playing in the sandpit well together. It's like that, isn't it? Nothing like a better than a comment on your report card than plays well with others. Amen. And that's what, that's what the body of Christ is like here in the Towers. We get on well with others, and it's, it's a wonderful thing that you have here. And um, also, if you are listening in online to our podcast ministry or Podbeam, Spotify or Facebook, a big, big welcome. Give our online people a big welcome tonight. Can you do that? There's been so many people tapping in, and they're finding the word encouraging. And I'd like to encourage the church, that is tonight, that is every one of you here in Christ, and that you would most agree that in uncertain times, uh, that you need not lose your Christian joy in the midst of less than perfect situations. And which, by the way, these less than perfect situations, that's just called life. And uh, our joy shouldn't be determined by exactly what happens in life, but our response, a biblical response, is counted all joy. So the title of my message tonight is Unshackle Your Joy. Amen? And uh, I don't want anybody to go to sleep, so but just turn to the person around you and the people around them and declare to them, tonight you're going to get your joy back. Can you do that? Tonight you are going to get your joy back. And perhaps you're full of joy already. Oh, do it again. Tonight you're going to get your joy back. Hey? There's something there in the realm of the Spirit that I think God wants to breathe upon these people, refresh us in a lovely way that only the Holy Spirit can. So do it again. Tonight you're going to get your joy back. <laughs> so why is it important to keep your joy and to maintain your joy? And Nehemiah encouraged the people when they were greatly grieved, and he nailed it when he said, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see how important it is to maintain your joy. Now I know some of you may think that the source of your strength is in your hair like the Old Testament strong man Samson. Is there anybody like that? And, uh, and some of you ladies and gents just look absolutely gorgeous tonight, but I want to say that your joy is not found in your hair and that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? James says that we are to be aware of the devil's devices. So tonight we're going to turn the tables on the devil's plans. Who likes to do that? Turn the tables on the devil. Amen? Sometimes we need to tell him who's really boss in town. Amen? Uh, tell him, this town ain't big enough to, for two of us, amen? You're on your way out of here. That's what we're doing tonight, amen? It's good to have a solid declaration. The devil wants to rob you of your joy because he knows that is the source of your strength. If he can rob your joy, he'll rob your strength. And then, and then the next thing, you're out of business, you're out of this, you're out of that, your family breaks down, your finances are down the tube, you're not holding on to your health. But when you've got the joy of the Lord as your strength, you're holding on to him and someone bigger than you, amen? Bigger than your situation. The devil's job description, John 10.10, 10, we know this, to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And so joy is part of that abundant life package that comes with salvation, sozo, body, soul, and spirit. God wants us to be prosperous in all these things, amen? And it is a good message for us. Our job description, by the way, is related in Hebrews 11.33 that says, Who through faith that we would subdue kingdoms, work righteousness, and obtain promises. 
What's your job description? Subdue kingdoms. Can we say this? Subdue kingdoms. Work righteousness. And obtain promises. That's our job description. Amen. So we, 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 we know what we're about. So unshackle your joy. And so in the book of Acts, chapter 16, we find the Apostle Paul, after being prevented by the Holy Spirit to preach any further in Asia. In other words, he had a closed door. The Bible doesn't tell us how, what that closed door looked like, but it says the Spirit closed the door on the, apostles, on the Apostle Paul's ability to go into any further into Asia to pre- preach the gospel. And so what did he do? He continued on to Troas, which to us is the ancient city of Troy, on the west coast of what we would call modern-day Turkey. And he went there to await further instructions. So Paul, in a vision, he saw a man from Macedonia, in a vision, and pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul responded to the call for help, and immediately he left, concluding that the Lord had called him. Has the Lord called you today? Oh, I bet you he has. Silas and the new recruit Timothy, as well as Luke the physician, joined the ministry team to preach the gospel, not in Asia, but in Europe. Imagine that. Oh, I can see Kevin getting excited. One door closes and a massive big door opens. And he goes, amen, brother, count me in. Is there anybody like that tonight? Are you excited about the open doors that God has got for us? When you see, uh, they say, uh, it's uh, uh, God opens doors and he closes those doors, but it's hell in the hallway. <laughs> Ever thought about that? But when God opens, closes one door, it's sometimes to open up a far larger door than we could ever anticipate it. I'm believing that for this region. Oh, a big door is opening to us. Nothing less than revival would satisfy me. What about you? I'm anticipating a move of God. And so, uh, but the... The Lord had closed the door to Asia, but opened wide the door to a whole new continent for the gospel. And Paul and the team, I could see, were ecstatic at being given the opportunity. And so they crossed the Aegean Sea, which was about two days in a boat, and they arrived at the seaport of Neapolis and travelled inland about 16 kilometres to a city called Philippi. And Philippi was strategically placed down in New South Wales, they've got a highway called the Great Western Highway. Well, you would say that this uh, 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 Philippi is really on the Great Eastern Western Highway of the Roman colonies. Amen? And so it was a very, very strategic place for Paul and the team to set up shop. And uh, they crossed that Aegean Sea. They went over there to Philippi, which is on the northern part of Greece. And the gospel had arrived on European soil for the first time. And it spread throughout the whole of the empire. Amazing stuff, isn't it? But the gospel needs to be preached in every generation. And this whole eastern, western road right out to the west, north, south, all into the Pacific needs to be preached all over again. To paraphrase, it was at Philippi that Paul met Lydia, a woman of substance dealt in purple cloth. And uh, he found them by the river praying. So he joined the team. It was at Philippi that, uh, uh, that he began to preach in the streets. It was at Philippi that he drove out a demonic spirit, out of a, a spirit of python or a serpent spirit out of a, out of a woman there. And, uh, and they, Paul and Silas were then imprisoned, put in maximum security for their trouble, and they fastened their, 
uh, feet in stocks. Uh, tonight I'm talking about unshackling your joy. And here is the apostle of great and grit, nothing, undaunted by whatever came his way. He never lost his joy. And Acts 16.25, it's great to go there, and I will just right now. And the, here is Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. Maximum security. I've worked in the jail for eight years. Worked in areas like this. And it says, but at midnight. Say that, but at midnight. Oh, it doesn't get any darker than that, does it? But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Amazing that. Obviously, I wasn't singing. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everybody's chains were loosed. Isn't it amazing when you praise God that not only your chains are loosed, but someone else's could be as well. Isn't that a benefit? Eh? I think that myself. When I stay in the grumbles, nobody gets free around me either. In fact, I only heap upon their own troubles. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? Because he, he was accountable for them. He would have been killed anyway. If any of those prisoners get loose tonight, it's your life. Anyway, and then Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then they called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas, he brought them out and it says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Oh, isn't it glorious? In the midst of their turmoil, in the maximum security, they were in the stocks and here they are singing and praising to God. That was a witness to everybody around them. And, the, and when the place shook, he knew it was a move of God. He knew that that was no ordinary earthquake. He said, Sirs, what must I do? But he was like, first 31. So they said, it's no different to now. You can go to church, but here is the message of the gospel. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Oh, what a great story. Oh, the title of my message today is Unshackle Your Joy. Unshackle Your Joy. Paul could have complained. We've come over here to help the people, but who's going to help us? You can hear the violin playing already. God had a plan and he turned the tables on the whole situation. Uh, what are you grumbling about today? What am I grumbling about today? But God wants to turn around the whole situation. Whatever comes your way, God is able to turn your lemon into lemonade. I like the sound of that. Let's go to Acts in chapter 16, uh, verses 26 and 29. I covered that already, sorry. But the gospel message will always have the effect of setting the captives free. Amen. As it says in Isaiah, to set the captives free. For today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Not only for ourselves, but also for others. And it's not just physical chains that need to be broken. Most of the chains that we face in, in the Western society, in our society, they're not physical chains. Chains of despair. People kill themselves in this, our generation, more than any previous generation that has ever lived. Having everything, but having nothing to live for. Destructive mindsets are broken when we begin to praise God. When we, in our midnight hour, without a ray of life, sing praise and glory to God. Amen. Can you do that? In the midst of your midnight hour, when it's so dark, when it's so dark, 
Oh, I, I remember years and years ago, and I would say, Lord, nothing will stop me from praising you. And it was the answer for me. And I know it was the answer for Paul and Silas, and it is still the answer. Praise is the power of heaven. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And Paul said, I'm not going to weep tonight. I'm joying right now. <laughs> what about you? Result of this singing praise and worship in the midnight hour saw Paul and Silas were released. The jailer and his family believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved. The church was established in Philippi. The first church in Europe was established when they were locked up in, in, uh, in high security. And uh, a jailer, in fact, found a new vacation and became the first pastor of the church. Isn't that amazing? Historians tell us that it was most likely this jailer here who became the first pastor in Philippi. And so the first pastor in Europe was a prison warden, amen? Oh, isn't that amazing? Being a prison warden, I think, is good training for ministry. <laughs> and that's enough said about that. Turn to the person next to you and say, unshackle your joy, amen? Come on, do it again. Unshackle your joy. Oh, come on, unshackle your joy. Who knows what might happen? Who knows what might happen? But that's not the end of the story. About 10 years later, this same apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to this very church, and it's recorded in your Bibles. It's called the letter of the Philippians, amen, to the Philippian church. Paul wrote that letter from another prison cell, amen. He just had, a, had an occupation of moving from one prison cell to another. Paul wrote that letter from another prison cell in Rome awaiting trial. And this was generally his preferred time to write encouraging letters to the fledgling church all over the place. That's when Paul did most of his writing. They must have had good writing desks. But Paul found out a cheap way to travel the empire by going from prison to prison. The food was not much good. The company was mixed, but they did provide free security. Amen? So there were some benefits in that. <laughs> but I'd love if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. And I'll start at chapter 1 and move fairly quickly. And uh, this letter to the Philippian church, it comprises only, in your King James Version, it's only 2,002 words over four chapters. It's a small book, not very book at all in comparison to others, but it's a book that packs a punch. Who likes to get a quick fix? Everybody loves a quick fix. That's why we sell so much instant coffee. But the, uh, for the book of Philippians is a quick fix. If you need a quick fix... Counted all joys, 16 times in one, four, four chapters, it's mentioned in there. And so it's, it's a book that punches above its weight. And you too will punch above your weight when you make the revelations that Paul reveals here yours. And you can make it yours. You don't have to read this book once. You can read this book over the, over the course of a week, 10 or 15 or 20 times. It only takes you about 13 or 14 minutes to read it. Amen. Can you spare 13 or 14 minutes when you get home tonight? Read this book. It is an all, If you're not a Bible reader, I encourage you to get a Bible and uh, grab it. Basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what Bible stands for. Oh, and, uh, and it will invigorate your life. Become a studier of the Word of God. Amen? And God speaks to us predominantly through His Word. And so... And uh, there's a comment that I heard once, and it's from Shakespeare, and it says, Though she be little, she is fierce. 
It was describing a woman, actually. But here, Philippians is like that. Though she be little, she is powerful. It packs a punch. It's a great book. And so, but the main themes are repeated over and over in this small book. Only four chapters. And, and even here, he seems to apologize. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Paul says, For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. And Paul recognized that a key note of any learning is repetition. And so I encourage you, I think I've read this book probably about 200 times. And it's blessed me every time. And, uh, but in regards to unity, I was going to speak on fellowship tonight, but the Lord directed me differently. But in regard to unity and fellowship and being like-minded, there are more than, there are eight distinct references to church unity, fellowship unity, and being like-minded with one another, amen, in the Holy Spirit. Not just unity for unity's sake, but the Word of God is what unifies us, amen? The Spirit of God is what unifies us. And so another topic there, you would say progress in the continuing work of God. In verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we, you and I are a work in progress. And there's about seven or eight verses about being and the continuum, being confident of this very thing. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy. There's another reference to joy, one of 16 direct references to joy in this mighty little book. And, uh, and then he goes on to say, for now that I have, or, not that I've already attained, it's a, a, a very humble way of saying, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. And so Paul was apprehended on the road to Damascus, and then he spent the rest of his life apprehending God. And, uh, uh, and he never ever came to the place where he has attained or got to the pinnacle, because in God there is always more. I don't care if you're six or if you're 96, there is always more in God. And we can never come to the place where I've got it all together. I know it all. No, well, now God's dealing with pride all over again in your life. You see that? There is always an ongoing work in God. And so giving many references uh, also in, in giving. And, uh, and the reason for the letter was to thank the Philippian church for their giving, which they had done previously as well. So he had a great affection for the Philippian believers. The first church he started in Europe. He loved them. He just loved them. He said, even in verse 3, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always and in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You see that great affection. He didn't start a church and subcontract it out to some other deacon or some other bishop. No, he maintained a close relationship with these people. He loved them dearly. Love them dearly, and it's a great, it's a great uh, example for me as a minister never to lose the common touch or the, the personal touch in everything that we do. I mean, we don't subcontract our prayer here. We don't subcontract our, our, our ministry to people. We love people and continue to help them and work with them in their walk with God. And in addition to that, there is joy and rejoicing, as I mentioned before, 16 times mentioned in this book, direct references to joy and rejoicing. I meant 16 times in four chapters. It's amazing. The other one, too, is his reference. He says, 
Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Here he is sitting in a Roman prison, and he doesn't consider himself a, a, a prisoner of imperial Rome, but he sees himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Isn't that man? He, in, in other words, he's no man's slave. He is the Lord's freed man. Or you can't be brought under subjection under nobody. You are the Lord's freed man. And he identifies also really in, in Philippians uh, 2.5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And as Jesus became a bondservant for us, so Paul could see his duty. And our duty is to become a bondservant for others. Isn't it a beautiful message? Eh? Our theme for this year for this church is others. When William Booth sent one word to all his leaders throughout the world by telegram, he sent only one word, and that word was others. Or how good would our churches be if our focus would be for others? The only institution that has ever been formed to be a beneficiary of those who are not even members. Isn't that interesting? We're here to be a benefit to those who are not even sitting in this place right now. It's a good message, isn't it? It's a very good message. Even as a slave. And even though Paul was chained... He understood that the gospel cannot be chained. Isn't that a great thing? The gospel cannot be chained. I've always described it as the, the jam in the jam sandwich. The more you crush it, the more you squeeze it, the more the jam gets out. Like the anointing oil, isn't it? The more you crush an oil, the more you crush an olive, the more of the anointing gets squat. And even so, even the more that... Paul was crushed, hard-pressed on every side, more of the anointing squeezed out into that situation. If you're feeling a little bit pressured, a little bit crushed, a little bit overwhelmed, the anointing has been crushed out. And people see how we handle the thing called life. Amen? And they'll see that there's a peace of God which surpasses or transcends all understanding. And they'll say, give me some of that. Because this world and this very, in this future time and this dispensation in which we live is going to be a rare commodity, this thing called peace. Rare commodity. And so even in that, uh, in that uh, second verse, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, if I was to address a letter to a church, I'd be saying to pastor such and such and elder such and such and this and that from Philippi who are in Christ Jesus. But no, our... Our identity here clearly stated to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Amen? To all the saints. Paul addresses to all the saints. To all of them. See? The cross is the great leveller. It's a great leveller, isn't it? It's a great leveller. Christian maturity is often most demonstrated by the contentment we walk in in the midst of turmoil. Isn't that an interesting comment? Your maturity, your faith, your peace, your, all those things, that, that comes into focus when under pressure. And I've seen people, even through the COVID stuff and everything like that, mighty men and women of faith and everything like that, but they buckled terribly. And I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw, instead of preaching Psalm 91, they were preaching all this other stuff. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress and my strength. Oh, it's good stuff, isn't it? Under pressure, are you still looking to God for protection? Or are you looking to an earthly institution? So after a time of walking with God, we come to realise a learned behaviour. To have that peace of God is a learned behaviour. I was talking to some people the other day and they're selling their home, moving to Townsville, and I could just sense just a great confidence in God. They weren't, their faith wasn't in a real estate agent. Their faith wasn't in any other institution. They were not trying to make or force anything happen, ticking all the right boxes and doing the right things. But their confidence was in God. Not, not losing an ounce of sleep, not losing an ounce of joy. Yes, and I will rejoice, said Paul. And uh, he was talking about um, uh, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Acknowledging that again. But the latter hour of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. He is speaking to himself. He was encouraging himself like David did at Ziklag, amen, when they wanted to stone him. I preached a message once called, don't get stoned at Ziklag. <laughs> His own men wanted to stone him. But he encouraged himself in God. And David, and so we see that Paul really here, he says, he's speaking to himself. Yes, and I will rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Amen. He didn't care whether they were pre pre preaching for the money, preaching from false pretense, preaching for ulterior motives. He was just rejoicing the, the, the fact that the gospel was still being preached. Amen. Let God sort out the stuff of people who are not traveling in your lane. Amen. In your ministry. There are other ministries. There are other appeals. Amen. And in this, I will rejoice. Oh, it's a good message, isn't it? It's a great message. I want to hear, just uh, Christ is preached, and, and, and here he is, we know that uh, uh, Paul's in prison, and he says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, God was turning the tables on the whole situation. He says, so it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. My chains are in Christ. Here he is. He's... He's bolted in stocks to the prison floor. And he says, And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And you see, him being in chains, chains chained to the Roman prison floor, was an encouragement to those around him. Amazing, isn't it? In the midst of affliction and hardship, his greatest ministry was he was an example that he never lost his joy in, in that situation. Sometimes in past years, I've looked at myself and I'm thinking, Jeff, you are a miserable bloke and you seem to want to let everybody know it. And that is not a good witness. Joy is like a, an indicator of how much of the Spirit of God you really, or where are you in your faith, amen? Where is your peace level going right now in the midst of what we call life. The Bible says the troubles in life will come. The storms in life will come. They're promises from God. 
And none of us escape these things. The storms in life will come. It's not a promise we put up on the fridge. We say, oh, yes, I'm believing for that promise. No, we don't. We don't believe for it. But when they come, how do we respond and how do we react? And Paul is saying, count it all joy. Count it all joy. And it is an amazing witness how God can turn the tables on that whole situation. Remembering that in all these things, that he himself, encouraging the Philippian church at that time, was in chains in a Roman prison. And I, re- I can see them around when they're opening up the letter to all the church and they're reading it. And they open up the first verse and someone reads it out. And Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. And they said, oh, we know what that means. Paul's in prison again. <laughs> that was his language. Whenever he said, I'm a bond servant, they said, oh, no, I know where he is. He's in prison again. Amen. How good was that? How good was that? God wants us to be more resilient than the world, amen? More resilient, more steadfast, more immovable. That we would hold the line, we would stay the course. And having done all to stand, we're called to to stand. And not only just stand and look like a terrible, miserable person, put on a smile, and that the joy of the Lord would be your strength, amen? And I just read 2 Corinthians 11, I jotted that down before, you'll know these. And he says, uh, in stripes, this is Paul speaking, in stripes above measure, this is his own stripes, stripes means whippings, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with the rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. If I was a ship's captain, I wouldn't allow him on the boat. (laughs) A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. You're feeling inspired? (laughs) You're feeling encouraged? This is the same man writing from a prison cell to the first church he established as a result of being in a prison in Philippine, Philippine jail. And yet he wrote this glorious book called Philippians, And it's the letter to the Christian church about contentment in God. Amen. Who wants contentment in God? I pray that you stand to your feet. We're going to sing one more song tonight before we finish. Look at that, Arthur. I didn't preach for 55 minutes or an hour. and He was going to hand me a calendar. (laughs) We're going to sing again tonight. And uh, you sang so beautifully before and... It'd be a nice way to finish up. And we're going to have some fellowship. We've got some beautiful food. People have come together. And and we pray that you have a really good time together. I like the 6 o'clock start because it gave... I don't want to rush anybody out. I love the fellowship, okay? I pray that you do stay. But Father, in the name of Jesus, just put your hands out as if to receive a gift. And there's an anointing. An anointing comes from God. It doesn't come from me. But a, a, a prayer of faith will provide a conduit for the power of God to touch your life. And I'm believing for the power of God to touch people tonight. 
And I pray in the name of Jesus, as people put their hands out to receive a gift, I pray, Lord, impart joy right now. Impart joy. And that the joy of the Lord would be your strength. There's nothing coming your way that you can't handle, says God. Nothing coming your way. And your response, count it all joy. Amen. Count it all joy. Oh, Father, I release it by faith. According to your faith, be it unto you, said Jesus, after the woman was healed. So apply your faith to it as well. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I pray that you seal this word into the people's hearts. I pray that it would transform our life. I pray and thank you, Lord, that you are doing something amazing in the body of Christ in this region, that you are unifying our hearts, that we would esteem others higher than ourselves. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others higher than himself. Or looking out for the interest of others above ourselves. I pray for this body of believers right through the whole region of Charters Towers. And we pray, Lord, for the blessing of heaven to be upon your church, Father God, your people. We thank you, Lord God, for today and tonight. I pray, Lord, let sweet fellowship, Lord, continue as we enjoy a cup of tea and coffee together. I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a big praise offering. Amen. Give the Lord a big praise offering. I'm going to hand it over to Jules now. Sing Amazing Grace, my chains are gone. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound and say. 